We are recording this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We wish to pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respects to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening. Hi everybody, I'm Priscilla. And I'm Elise. Welcome to Novel Feelings, where two psychologists take a deep dive into your favourite books. Today we have an interview with Elaine Webster. Exactly. If you haven't heard of Elaine before, Elaine is an internationally published children's and young adult author who lives in South Australia. She's a multiple arts grant recipient and a South Australian Premier's Reading Challenge ambassador. She served on literary boards and her novels have been listed for various awards. So most recently her novel Sensitive was shortlisted in the 2020 Australian Speech Pathology Awards and was a 2020 three outstanding book for young people with disabilities awarded by IBBY International Board on Books for Young People and today we are talking about Elaine Webster's new book called Selfie. Here's a bit about Selfie. Tully can't believe her luck. Dean is famous. Everyone loves her. She has thousands of followers online and hundreds of sponsorship deals. Being best friends with Dean Walker is a dream come true. Tully is soon hardly aware that her longtime bestie Kira exists as she shapes her own interests and cares to be the person worthy of Dean's attention. And she's not prepared for the heartache and confusion when Dean's friendship is not all she imagined it to be. Selfie is an engaging and very real exploration of social media and the trickiness of separating what's real from the glossiness of the online world. It's a tender story about friendship and staying true to yourself. Thank you, Text Publishing, for linking us with Elaine. Before we get started on our review, just our usual disclaimers. So, we are trained psychologists, but this podcast should not be taken as direct therapeutic advice. Please consult a professional for more specific and tailored advice. The first half of this interview is spoiler-free, but the second half does contain minor spoilers for Selfie as we dig into the mental health content and what happens in the second half of the book. And we'll just flag that this interview has been slightly edited for length. Today we are talking about topics such as social media's impact on young people and unhealthy friendships. All right, let's get started. Elaine, congratulations on your huge body of work so far, as we talked about before before the recording started. This is your 10th book. That's wow. super impressive. Yeah. yeah thank you. Yeah. How does publishing Selfie compare to, say, your, uh, your very first book? Sure. Well, so much has changed, I guess, on the publishing landscape since I first came in the door back in uh, 2007 was when I published my first YA novel, Our Little Secret, which was through uh, Scholastic or Omnibus, um, the then imprint of Scholastic. You know, I've seen some fairly large changes in the last, uh, what is it, 15, 16 years or yeah. something now. And and obviously one of those has been that the advent of social media um, in terms of us um, being able to share and promote our work um, because, you know, very originally I was presenting in front of live audiences and, you know, it was in traditional media like in the um, in the newspaper and Our Little Secret was, um, in fact, the first ever YA novel recorded in South Australian Hansard <laughs> in oh, Parliament. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> so, so weird. Um, so, yeah, so a lot has, has changed um, over the years for sure. Yeah, and what about your writing process? Has that changed at all over that time? I think it has. I think that 
Uh, very originally, I was a bit of a pantser and I just um, would go very much with the voice and my heart and, and just see where it led me, which wasn't always the most time effective <laughs> means of writing a book I've written yeah I've written them in both in both ways with a plan and, and without one uh, and they still produce the same thing which is what you know I go in and tell kids you know don't worry too much if, if you do it one way and someone's doing it another but uh, for me I definitely progressed more so to at least having in my mind a firm outline and plan and that might just be even just as much as a few lines about it about a chapter and what's going to happen in that chapter. Um, and that's as much as it, it takes. But I still I still find myself planting things at the beginning of the story, not knowing where or how they're going to tie together. But somehow I trust the process. And and at the other end, I think, oh gosh, you know, I planted that thing back in um, in chapter one, and all of a sudden I'm using it. So. Your intuition must be working well then. <laughs> must be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose if everything is planned out, some of the excitement goes out of the process as well. Oh, definitely. I think absolutely. I don't want to ever plan something, you know, right down to the finite details because you're right, it just it does. Mm-hmm. It sucks the joy from it. And I like just... I guess, you know, I probably even struggle with breaking my own rules. <laughs> so I don't want to write rules for myself um, yeah. because I'll feel like I'm failing myself in some ways. And your books have, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that you've written the children's middle age and young adult space uh, yes. for most of your career. Yeah. Um, what draws you towards writing for children and teenagers? I really feel that... <sighs> For me personally, what you know, when I sit down to write, that that's the voice that that comes out. I think um, that my memories of being, um, you know, from that from the age of about probably eleven onwards, are really really strong, uh, and I just naturally gravitate to that age range and and fit there. And I just, um, I mean, obviously too the joy of, of sharing stories with teenagers and, and then um, responding to them just floats my boat. So, you know, I absolutely <laughs> love going into schools and talking to kids and, um, you know, and just seeing their eyes light up um, when they, when the penny drops and they get something. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that um, for all the, the chocolate at Hague's, <laughs> which is a big statement coming from me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that something you get to do often to go into schools and, and talk to young readers? Uh, definitely. Well, it, it is now that COVID's um, finally yes. kind of, you know, the cloud is, is clearing. Yeah. So in fact, it was, it was devastating during COVID not mm. to be able to do that. And I think I did do some online um, Zoom sessions, but uh, yeah, it really was awful to lose that connection. Um, so, so yes, definitely. I, in fact, I've got a two-week residency that's um, funded by the Australian uh, Arts Council and uh, Writers SA, and I'll be going into um, a college here in Adelaide for two weeks to work with high school students and every year level is my understanding from year seven through to year 12 to present workshops and and hopefully help them to hone their writing skills so I couldn't be more excited about that because those interactions you know for me also plant seeds of you know maybe something that I'm going to write next so it's a fantastic opportunity yeah 
Absolutely. Oh, sounds like it would be so rewarding. I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we wanted to start asking you some questions about your new book, Selfie. So first of all, we, of course, have uh, an influencer character, Dean Walker, who's quite critical to the story. Mm. And Dean has technically been famous since before she was even born. We'd love to hear a little bit more about Dean. So can you tell us about how you conceptualize her and, and the impact of fame on her personality? Sure. So Dean, I guess, is a, she's a mishmash of everything I've, I've ever seen and witnessed you know, on on Instagram or on online, you know, on Facebook, whatever, whatever be the platform. So, you know, I I think this stuff kind of just enters your your bloodstream somehow, <laughs> um, and I regurgitate in some ways what um, what I'm seeing. So, it wasn't honestly a far stretch to imagine. Um, you know, what, what that would be, be like. And I think to, you know, we as authors actually just get a taste, a taste of it because we are essentially public figures. Um, you know, not that any of us are kind of reaching Taylor Swift, uh, (laughs) you know, we're not, we're not reaching those levels quite, but, um, but we are in the public sphere and we are posting online ourselves and, um, oh my gosh, there is, so much that goes through my head <laughs> when I'm doing that. And so in, th- in some ways writing this was probably quite cathartic because I was working through um, all of those issues and misgivings and or, or joys or whatever um, through this book. The As you mentioned before, the emergence of social media has meant that you might have to produce content or learn to put up a bit of a persona, I suppose, online even if it's not to the extent of someone like Kim Kardashian, for example. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose I find that really interesting about Dean in that we get glimpses of the face that she puts on on social media versus what's actually happening for her. And I found that really interesting to read. Absolutely, because I think, you know, some it, it depends on the consumer. Everyone's different. So people consuming what they see on social media, some some will take it at face value and, and just assume what's being presented to them is the end game. And I tend to think a lot more deeply about it. And I guess I those questions go through my head. Is this genuine? Is this performative? You know, uh, is this person um, feeling this way today? But will they feel completely differently tomorrow? And and take that that down. You know, like and um, I see some pretty big sharing. You know, and and there are people that confess to being oversharers, um, which is fine. You know, if if you're happy and you're comfortable with that, but you know, you witness a lot of it. And I, I think my heart, I just, I suppose I'm, you know, a generally empathetic person. So I, I worry for people at the end of the day, I worry underneath it all. Are they okay? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I guess one thing that struck me about Dean was, yeah, without spoiling things, as we'll dive into spoilers a little bit more later on, but we get a glimpse of perhaps her having difficulties maintaining or or even forming friendships with other girls her age, you know, the not necessarily offline girls, but the girls who are definitely not massive Instagram influencers. Yes. Um, can you talk about uh, Dean's experience with friendships? 
Yeah, absolutely. So because she's been this online consumable product since she was born, uh, she struggles to have trust and faith in the friendships that she develops because she doesn't know, are these people befriending me because I am famous or are they genuine in liking me? So, and I think, you know, that's something that would extend to to any actor in Hollywood who would suddenly find themselves, you know, the hot new thing and then and then suddenly be surrounded by hangers-on and people who want who want something from them. So, and this goes on in our society, right, left and centre. Um, you know, people have a, a, a smidge of fame and, and people that didn't take any notice previously suddenly sit up and, and want to be connected. So I don't think it's unreasonable at all for Dean to be deeply confused about whether her friendships are in fact genuine or not. Mm. Mm. And uh, of course we have Tully as well, who is our protagonist of the story. And Tully has a bit of a parasocial relationship with uh, Dean before the story progresses. You know, for those who might not be aware, a parasocial relationship occurs when one person has a perceived friendship or closeness with somebody who they don't actually know in real life or, or know in a close capacity online. So their relationship was interesting because it's quite an unequal relationship when they first get together. So can you can you comment on, I guess, Tully's experience of that relationship uh, at, at those early stages too? Yeah, absolutely. There is, there's a power imbalance. It's a, uh, an interesting dynamic from the get-go because Tully... Uh, has been a long-term fan of Dean and, and idolises her in many ways and, um, and as you say, has only had that connection with her online, um, so perceives herself to know her and she's equally stunned when Dean uh, selects her to be her best friend at a new school. So, uh, and that happens very instantly. Uh, so Tully rather her head is is spinning because this famous person has uh, befriended her and it's all her dreams come true at once, you know. So, yeah, so so Tully, um, you know, is already, uh, already has these formed ideas of who Dean should be. Um, and, and, you know, that's difficult if you're going to begin a new, a new friendship. We'll definitely be chatting more about that dynamic later in the spoilery mm-hmm. version of this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, why did you choose to focus on Instagram in this novel rather than other popular social media apps such as TikTok, for example? I think um, TikTok rates, rates a mention somewhere in the book, but uh, I think because um, I, when I first conceived the idea, I, I think because I was talking about um, Dean being... Uh, followed since she was in the womb that made more sense to me that mum would have been using Instagram um, rather than TikTok and and that she's built her following on there and that's just followed on because of course she's got sponsorship deals and all that kind of stuff so Instagram just seems like the natural home um, for this story um, and it, and outside of that it's actually as an author for me it's my favorite platform like you know I obviously use Facebook and Twitter I don't use I don't use TikTok um, but I, I really enjoy Instagram I love that space um, 
So for me, it was a happy place <laughs> to write about. No, it's good to hear when somebody has a positive experience of social media apps yeah. in some capacity, because we hear a lot about the other side of things as well. Yeah. You know, taking all of this in mind, what messages would you like teenage readers to take away from the book? I've tried very hard um, with this novel to not be virtue signaling um, and to not be uh, necessarily providing answers um, to what is a really difficult uh, thing to navigate. Um, social media is, is difficult, not just for teenagers, but for adults. So, and I certainly don't feel like I have uh, all the answers. Learn little tricks along the way. But what I, I guess at the core of it, what I would like um, for, for teenagers to take away is that genuine friendships those that are both based on truly knowing each other and honesty and um and care um other things to be valued in this life um and outside of that that you know none of us are the sum of the posts that we put online um there is so much about ourselves that we don't share with the whole wide world uh and um you know for me personally my friends my friendships those that I treasure and that are really, really strong are those that I'm um, wholeheartedly invested in and they and they get to see the best and the worst of me. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, on social media a lot of the time we, we only show um, one side um, rather than another. So, yeah, so just I, I really want for kids to think hard, I guess, um, get them thinking about about these platforms and and what people are doing on there and maybe stop to consider that it's worthwhile standing back from something and not taking it on surface value and considering what might what what might else be going on yeah wonderful hopefully the book will reach the teenage readers who need to pick up on those messages and yeah work no out doubt what, that it will yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure <laughs> all right Shall we move on to the spoiler questions? Yeah, Let's sure. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't read Selfie, now is the time to tune out, but absolutely go and pick up a copy and come back and listen once you have read the book. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast and now back to the show this is always my favorite part of interviews um because we get to ask all the questions that we mull over as we're going through the books as well and can't always find the answers to in existing interviews and so on so this is always exciting all right so our first uh spoiler question for today 
is about Tully and Dean once again. So a little bit of a deeper dive into their relationship. So in the book, they have quite an intense friendship. So Tully gets swept up in Dean's charms and Dean declares them and another girl uh, sisters fairly quickly. When Madeline comes into the picture, though, things turn quite sour. So uh, could you comment on this dynamic? So, for example, was Dean deliberate in pitting Tully against Madeline? Uh, Yeah, I mean, yes, um, to some degree, because Mm. it was her means of communicating that she's she's not happy um, about something. So, but she's also... Uh, a slightly has a slightly cold edge to her as well which I think is a a coping mechanism for what she has to deal with and endure so she can freeze people out um, if you like or be cold um, in order to to just cope and to get her message across yeah maybe a bit of deliberateness to it but Yes. Not not maybe an active choice of something that she decided to yeah, do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm, interesting. And we noticed that Tully had an interesting obsessive streak to her personality when it comes to her friendship with Dean. Like she was all in in that friendship and then later she was also all in in her interests in art. What inspired Tully's personality for you? Yeah, so... Tully leads more with her heart uh, than she does with her head and she's very, she, I wouldn't say she's desperate to be liked, um, nothing like that, but she's very committed um, to caring and to the friendship and she, um, she's, again, it's coping mechanism that there's other things in her life that are uh, difficult to deal with within her own family and so it's comforting for her to look outside of that situation and to focus her energy elsewhere so when that uh, sort of goes belly up with fo- with focusing all that love and devotion um, to Dean she then turns it in on herself and concentrates really hard on the art and tries to channel her energy there as well but both of them are a coping mechanism for what's really going on in the background yeah I definitely got the impression that Tully was a big feeler of feelings um Mm -hmm. a person who like a lot of teenagers like myself as a teenager as well Mm -hmm. feel things feels things very intensely and needs to perhaps channel channel those feelings into something and and at least I suppose with art that was a healthier way of directing those feelings than it was with her friendship with Dean but yeah it was interesting the moment where her I think it was her stepmother who commented on you know maybe you're taking this a bit too far now as well I don't know if you had any thoughts around that (laughs) yeah so the stepmom Michelle throughout this book is quite influential in getting uh, Tully to to stop and consider her actions and what she's doing, and I wanted to portray a um, a parent who wasn't intrusive but was just trying to guide their teenager in the right direction. So, um, yes, yeah, so Michelle is very aware um, that this is going on. So, uh, yeah, again, Tully's really just trying to deal, I think, with some feelings that overwhelm her. Um, and she's just trying to focus on the thing in front of her as best she can to get to get through. I know this isn't, you know, 
this was probably never your intention. It wasn't the genre that we were in, but there was a point when she was, you know, all in in that friendship that it crossed my mind that this could have been a very different story, like a middle grade, um, not you, but that sort of obsessive (laughs) storyline. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 But yes, I like glad we didn't go there because I don't think it would have been the right. It might have been a bit of an odd fit for the the genre to do that. But, you know, I could see a similar storyline happening and maybe an older, a novel aimed at older audiences where it does go more explicitly down the stalker pathway or something like that. Yeah. I'm glad it didn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, definitely not a middle grade stalker. <laughs> but, you know, it, yes, you're absolutely right. And it, it actually does have, you know, elements of, of that in there for sure. And I can see why uh, Dean became very wary of Tully's actions as the story went on when their friendship was unfortunately crumbling to why Dean would assume the worst um and that must be must have been a scary experience for dean as well having had previous experiences with other other fans or friendships just taking things a bit too far as well something that perhaps the average teenager doesn't have to deal with but it just added an interesting layer of dimensionality to her personality i thought absolutely i mean we as human beings are the um you know we bring a whole pile of backstory to the table and I guess that's what I was trying to do there with, with Dean was to demonstrate that, you know, this is not just a reaction in the moment. This is the result of having experienced something very similar before. Um, but the question needs to be asked, is it the same beast this time around or is it a different one? And I think, you know, we as, we as humans tend to react um, on our past experiences and have very strong reactions sometimes because, you know, that, that particular thing was very negative and, and hard to go through. And so we jump the gun a bit and we need to allow a little bit of um, space to consider actually maybe this looks the same, but it's not the same. It's not the same beast. Um, so I think Dean needed some time in the story to kind of figure that out. Um, because yeah, she's she's already suffered some kind of um, you know trauma or damage um, from what she's had to deal with already. Yeah, I could see why her sense of safety might be impacted there, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, you know, this is uh, this is another um, aspect of this this book. Not that you know, not that I go into it in any great depth. But we are posting online, or Dean is in this story, her life. Uh, she's accessible to complete strangers. And that leaves us, you know, when we do that, when we make those selections to have our, our stuff out there for, all, for anyone to be able to see, we, we're actually in some ways creating a security um, or a potential security issue um, that people could find find you and you know the stuff um you know they talk about doxing and you know it's our cyber you know cyber security in terms of us losing our identity and all sorts of things um so it's never just you know straightforward that we're putting up happy snaps there are there can be repercussions yeah absolutely and i suppose an added layer here is that she is underage which makes her even more vulnerable online than sure a yeah, typical definitely. adult yeah 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 and in the story obviously mum has a lot of influence in the background there too I guess speaking of those family relationships and and parents uh 
in Selfie, there are some interesting themes around complex family dynamics. So I guess Tully's relationship with her, her distant mother was quite interesting, including her response to her mother's illness. And, um, it seems to be, I suppose, suppressing what was actually happening for her. Yes. How, how would you describe their relationship and Tully's feelings towards her mother? Tully obviously feels um, abandoned largely by both of her parents, um, even though she she speaks um, relatively highly of, of her dad and that he's got a job and it's an important job and he's, he's got to do X, Y, Z. You know, she's very tolerant of, of that. And with her mother, she just can't even face it at all. Um, and so her mum... Um, equally can't face the fact that she's she's dealing with a, um, a a really severe illness and so the combination of the both of them sticking their heads in the sand <laughs> isn't getting anyone anywhere so um, I guess what I really wanted to do though with this book is to portray the the stepmother character in a positive manner um, in that I don't you know, we we sort of got that children's um, narrative of the mm-hmm. evil stepmother, mm-hmm. and you know, I I had step parents, and they were both really magical people and and good to me. And I think it's important that we actually portray those caregivers um, in a in a good light. So that's what I aim to do um, with Michelle in this story. I know I really yeah appreciated Michelle's. Uh, her, the the responsibilities that she took as a parent without overstepping her place, I thought was done, was handled quite nicely. Um, so it was nice, even though Tully was feeling perhaps abandoned by her mother and to a degree to her father as well, that she still did have a parent in her life that was taking responsibility and clearly was showing that love and that kindness for her and her brother, yes. which is really important for that sense of stability at home. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Michelle holds the whole thing together and she does it with her own issues going on um, mm. with, with illness herself and um, but somehow she manages it and I think, you know, she's she's a really strong female character in this book. Yeah, absolutely. She comes across as very, I don't know if mature is the right word, but she handles her own relationship with Tali's dad very well. And how she portrays that relationship to the children seems to be a very well-adjusted response, I think, to the whole situation. Yeah, yeah. And I think we needed some modelling of healthy relationships in this book as well. Oh, absolutely, yes. (laughs) We sure do. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a question that we ask all of our interviewees. Do you have any authors or books that you would like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, well, obviously, you know, if if you haven't already, then everything that Vicky Wakefield ever wrote, <laughs> um, you know, she's she's my darling friend and um, the beautiful human being who got to read the first draft of, of Selfie and of much of my other work, and um, I just think her writing is is just exceptional, and so. Uh, absolutely and and she's another text author I mean oh my gosh I've just read so much Australian YA of late that uh, that I've just loved you know um Alice Boyle's Dancing Barefoot again I mean I sound like I'm plugging text authors and it's not intentional it's just that (laughs) I happen to have read um these books and love them so Alice Boyle's Dancing Barefoot was brilliant Miranda Luby Sadie Starr's Guide to Starting Over I really enjoyed 
you know, but if we go a little bit uh, older school, you know, I've always loved the work of Robert Newton and, you know, there are some authors that have just written the one book that I just adore and hold dear. So um, I loved Eleni Hale's Stone Girl, Dammit Deverowen's um, Living on Hope Street. I guess anything that's that's got that sort of edge and does and uh, portrays, I guess, people from different economic backgrounds um, or the harder the harder lived stories, if you like, um, are the ones that really really speak to me. So, um, and uh, and outside of that, to Erin um, Goff, um, Amelia Westlake is one of my all time favorites. Definitely a classic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a great one. Yeah, the wit, um, the humour um, that's laid into that book to me is is magical and something I look up to. But but in fact, um, I mean, you, not that um, you can see it because we're we're obviously recording. But you guys might see. You know, I've got all these these books, these bookshelves next to <laughs> my work desk, and they're filled with Love Oz YA, and I love looking at the names I get excited you know when I go into schools and I see my friends books sitting on the shelf you know Nova Wheatman, Pitt Harry, Clay Zane was another one I loved, Holden Shepherd. oh my gosh we are so <laughs> unbelievably spoiled um, for choice in Australia and we have one of the strongest you know cohorts of writers I think you know the industry has ever had and yeah, I'm just constantly in awe, to be honest, of all of my peers. <laughs> it sounds like such a supportive community as well. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and uh, yeah, a thousand percent. Everyone's really beautiful and, and will reach out to you. And, you know, that certainly happened, you know, to me when I, I was actually really sick going back six years ago and almost died. And um, not so long ago, I was um, cleaning out my office and I came across um, these these cards and letters that the, the Squibby people had written and people from interstate, um, you know, the whole community had written me these beautiful notes. And so, yeah, this this community goes above and, and beyond sometimes. Um, and, yeah, I do feel like I'm embraced in a nice warm hug um, and a hat. So, therefore, happy to give one back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, your bookshelves are hashtag goals. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can only see one here, but like I've got another whole lounge room library out there. (laughs) That's awesome. It's the thing I gravitate to. If I visit anyone's house, it's the first thing I sort of wander towards and, you know, and want to look at. So, yeah, amazing. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Elaine. Well, I think that was our final question for the interview. So thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with you and to learn more about the book, the writing process, and to get all of your amazing recommendations too. Thank you. Now we will quickly mention what is going up on the blog post on our website to link in with this episode. So on our website, we'll link to some resources about social media and how to support young people who might be having some trouble with social media for various reasons. We'll also link Elaine's uh, social media and where to find her and her books online, as well as some information about the books that she recommended. Uh, we might just have to link to um, the Love Oz YA collection because yeah. <laughs> she sure to give a lot of recommendations. Um, all wonderful books, of course. It'll be a very long list if we do include every single one. So, yeah, we'll, we'll link something together. Yep, absolutely. 
And that wraps us up for today. Please remember to subscribe and follow us to keep up to date with us and to know when our new episodes are posted. Our website is novelfeelings.com and please remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to ask us a question or chat to us, you can send a message to us via our website or follow us on social media. At the moment, we are on Instagram, Twitter and Goodreads at novel underscore feelings uh, I feel like my bookstagram is not even worth mentioning at this point <laughs> but you know it's still out there you can find it at paved with books with an extra s it will come back to life just, just confidently so say it just say follow me on social media so follow my instagram it's great it might... <laughs> i do love your update though whenever we go through <laughs> anyway thank you so much everybody for listening and thanks once again to elaine for joining us for this interview take care everyone bye see ya